All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sit and Kick Podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with some fellow podcasters, a podcasting duo. You may recognize their voices from around a billion pre and post race interviews, have seen them shying away from the spotlight from behind their cameras and discussing the tough arguments of track and field. We're here to kind of loosen them up and, and have some banner about their experience in our sport and have some lively debates about some hot topics. It's uh, Flow Tracks, Gordon Mack and Linking shurik did i get shurik right you didn't but it's why i love it shrike it's a tough one it's a tough one with josh kerr all right here david ribbage josh kerr david ribbage josh kerr's for real fastest c2 1500 josh kerr on the outside way up front now is david ribbage What is up, everyone? Lincoln Shrike coming to you today for a special episode of the Flow Track Podcast, joined by Gordon Mack, who is in a parking lot in some McDonald's in the United States of America. But I say special, we have a special edition. We're joined today by the two hosts and two professional runners from the Brooks Beast. They host the Sit and Kick Podcast. It's Josh Kerr and David Ribich. First off, guys, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Feeling uh, pretty excited for this for this kind of being on with Dave is always, you know, tough, but like being on as a sit and kick podcast host is, is, is a little bit better. It makes things easier. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm pretty excited for this. Um, Josh has a lot of, a lot of banter that he wants to hash out. So I'm just going to most likely sit back and relax while Josh sweats in his cotton t-shirt. <laughs> well, I know you guys are teammates with the Brooks Bees, but how did this idea of a podcast together? How did that start out? I would say it, was, it started. Oh yeah. Go for it, Josh. We were really bored. <laughs> Well, no, I just thought I'd take the lead, you know, because I'm the, the better host on the on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so the what we really did was Dave came over to Albuquerque um, in, when was it, like September time, Dave? Something yeah. like that. Um, so he came over and helped me before my kind of build up for Worlds and stuff and, and you know, took time out of his, you know, uh, time off and, and we kind of just spent every day together. So I, uh, we kind of were just sitting around and we're like, you know, we're sitting having some good chat and, and on runs and things. And we just thought, you know, that could be a really cool thing to do a little, a little bit of fun. And, and, uh, we're like, we don't really think we want to put the effort in for a YouTube channel, but we want to just chat. So I think that was the, the best option for us really. Yeah. I thought my good looks were going to be good enough for a, a YouTube channel, but Josh was a little insecure about his lamb chops. So we decided to mm -hmm. start with the podcast and then work <laughs> from there. And yeah, when we were there in September, um, we impulse bought microphones and headphones and the whole setup just because we're like, well, if we financially commit, then hopefully we, um, commit to actually produce this thing. And so that was in like September and we did a lot of practice rounds and then finally started <laughs> launching our podcast um in january or february of this year so it, it was still like a three-month build period and we went through a, a wide variety of names i think one of them was like a traction um but sit and kick kind of just like evolved after a bunch of sticky notes with runaway but yeah it was mostly just um us talking on runs and knowing that there's thousands of runners in the country that have these exact same conversations but really nowhere to listen or, or like have the conversation and so we want to be able to be a podcast to open the conversation well, you guys have been doing this show together and our teammates, like we mentioned, I'm curious how familiar you guys are with each other. Like you're quite from different backgrounds. I would say David being a D2 guy from Oregon, Josh being a division one guy from, uh, well, somewhere across the ocean. Uh, and, uh, 
just kidding. Uh, how much do you guys know about each other? I mean, how, how, how close has this show made you? Pretty close. I mean, we're, we're spread over um, Skype typically, so physically we're not very close. Emotionally, very close. Um, but starting out being a Division Two guy, Josh always gives me a hard time about this, that Division Two guys are stat guys. So I knew far more about Josh before he knew anything mm-hmm. about me. Like I even came up to him, like our first time meeting each other was at Azusa Pacific um, where he set the NCAA Division One record and I set the Division Two record. And I go, hey man, great race. And he goes, thanks, bud. And bud was just such like a, a demoralizing word to use. <laughs> so he then goes on and is like, oh, he's like, were you in that race? And I'm like, yeah, I was in that race. Like I said, the division yeah. two record. So then I had to like bring myself up and, and try to flex against him. But um, from that moment on, Josh was like an enemy to me. And then we signed together and then now we materialized into, I wouldn't say best friends, but we're, we're on the verge. We're pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Is this Josh, really did you know what the... <laughs> Josh, did you even know what Division know, 2 was? No, I also didn't know Division 2 was a thing. So that that, that doesn't <laughs> help. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. Like I remember Dave brings this, this up all the time just because, you know, he likes the attention. But um, we do we do have some good banner with D1, D2 stuff. And uh, he signed right before me. And his, his joke is always, you know, I, I, he's the reason that I signed with the Brooks Beast. And uh, I, I can't deny that. I think I think it was a big reason. <laughs> You guys are like, you're like the equivalent from D1 to D2, right? You mentioned the records, winning the mm-hmm. winning the 1500 titles. I don't know if your titles completely overlap, but David, you won an indoor title or two and Josh did the same. Like, seems like it's yeah. pretty similar. Yeah, I think the not, only not difference exactly. is, yeah, I think the only difference is I won a DMR title and then I won my final collegiate race where I don't think Josh has either of those two things. But... Um, other than that, yeah, I'm our, sure everyone remembers that as well, Dave. I'm sure everyone's sitting there like, oh, I remember that race like yesterday, you know? Yeah. Everyone's sitting like, it's the best best part of the year is that D2 NCAA championships. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I will say David has a ally. I ran Division Two, and so I look up to those guys like they are real people too, Josh. So, uh, <laughs> listen, there's some good D2 guys. I mean, there's a guy, you should know, there's a British guy in D2, Thomas Staines, who runs like 145. So, there's some diamonds in yeah. the rough, you know. Um, but that said, Division One, obviously, still just a little bit stronger than Division One. <laughs> Gordon, you want to chime in on this episode at all? Yeah, I ran D three, so I'm I, I'm uh, I have no where to go with this. I mean, Nick Simmons is a D three athlete, so I have that for me. Uh, I do have go. a question though with the, the sit and kick. Uh, it's kind of an ironic name for at least. Uh, I mean, Josh, you never really sat and kicked during your college days. I mean, you were always a go from the gun. So, like, do you guys ever really actually sit and kick? Like, we're, I feel like you guys <laughs> think, are kind of vicariously through this podcast. <laughs> I think the, jo- the joke that we worked hard on was, like, so we would start our episode and we'd be like, today we're sitting and kicking it with our guest. And that's kind of the main reason that we brought that out was just to kind of get that intro sorted. But sit and kick, you know, we don't have a lot of respect for that tactic, but you know, the most exciting races are, are normally the ones that are brave enough and ballsy enough to go from, from far out. But, you know, it's part of our sport and, and it's just the way the way we went for it, really. Yeah, we just want to try to match it with uh, the track and field world. Which one of you has the most trouble with not racing? Like, is it is it difficult for either of you or both of you to stay focused? Uh, is it, I mean, depressing is not the right word, but is it is it tough to be motivated during this this kind of mysterious time? 
Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's almost better for me right now. Um, I was kind of felt like I was getting thrown in the ringer a little bit. Um, because of that gap jump from division two to professional, I think I wasn't adjusting as well as I would have liked. And so with this buildup, even in like November and December going into USA indoors, I finally kind of felt like I gathered speed, um, into a race. And so now it's like, I still kind of have this time period where I can continue to learn and adjust to like this professional lifestyle where, um, the races really do matter. And yeah, I would say I'm not, I'm not stressing a whole lot about it because really if like I wasn't running, I have no idea what I would be doing. So it, it's not hard to get out the door by any means because there's no races. It's just kind of part of the schedule now. I'm what you like to call like a textbook under racer. I'll race like a couple times a year. I, I like to be really specific of where I race and when I race and what buildup I have. And for me, it's just like for people to know when they're watching me race, like when I'm standing on that start line, it's not been a rush decision. It's like, I'm ready hundred percent to race. And that's always how I was through college. I think Dave was so different. We had like such mm -hmm. different college experiences. Like he was very speed based and liked to hit things hard. I think he had like four track workouts a week or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was like 38 um, races my senior year. Yeah, and Jeez. I probably had like nine. Um, <laughs> so it was, it, yeah, I think for me, it is not weird to have a big gap between races, obviously not this big, but um, I don't know. I just enjoy being ready for what I do. And, and um, I just don't like to feel rushed going into races. So, you know, we kind of circle the big check marks, like the big races coming into the year. And, and we just go, you know, these are the ones we need to be ready for. And then anything else, we can just add, add races here and there if we feel like we need to do them. So, you know, I think I'm enjoying this time where we can work on little different things, but you know, it, it is awesome to race and it is part of our job and it's something that I'd love to do the most. So it does suck that we don't get to do that, but the motivation is still there. The motivation is still high because I have Dave phoning me after every session be like, Hey, what were your splits? Like, what do you think the Alex you conversion for that, for that workout would be like, do you think we, I run faster and I'm like, Dave, get over like you had a good session, whatever. So yeah, it's, it always keeps me on my toes. David, I'm curious, what what's your distance right now? Are you still a miler? Because I know you mentioned, I mean, Peyton Jordan running a different distance isn't rare for an athlete uh, at that early part in the season. You mentioned you were going to run a 5K, but going back to U.S. Indoors, you ran that 3K, seemingly was a good performance for you. What Are you are you still, you know, charting out the 1500 or are you making up your mind? Yeah, so we're kind of experimenting a little bit. Like this whole year, I've kind of been building as if I was a 5K runner. So I've been doing a lot more aerobic work with like Garrett and Isaac and um, hitting mileage and things like that, which I never really did in college. And as Josh was saying, we would do Sunday speed sessions and like a Monday pre-meet almost for a, a Tuesday workout. So we'd be in spikes around four times a week. And so with that, I felt like I had really great speed and turnover when it mattered in a race. But my biggest gap um, with like a professional field was being able to use that in a race where it mattered um, at like a fast pace. Like I can go out, in college, I could have gone out in like a 258, 259 and closed. I felt relatively well against the field, but now these races are going out in 254, 255 through 12. And if I don't have the strength um, to hold on and be in a position in that race, then I'm the kick that I've been able to develop over the last X number of years will be irrelevant. And so I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a 5K runner, um, but I would say that right now I feel like I'm in a really good point between the 15 and the 5K, whether that's I mean, there's no outdoor 3,000 meters, there's a steeplechase, but we're still kind of experimenting and 
knowing that through 2020, we were going to plan on the 1500 meters at the trials. But if I knocked a 5k out of the park, we might have been able to reassess um, going into the trials. Who, uh, Josh, who is the toughest Brit to race in a 1500? Famously, there was three of you in the Doha final. There's at any given time, you, Charlie, uh, Jake Whiteman, Neil Gorley, um, uh, Chris O'Hare. There's like a, there's almost as many good guys, it seems like, in, in, in Britain in the 1500 as there is in the U.S. So who's, who's the toughest to race that you like to race? <laughs> Um, yeah. I will start saying that the, the UK is stronger than the US at the 1500, and I think that's pretty oh, wow. obvious. Um, wow. I mean, we're, I mean, even Scotland, which is the size of London, um, had three three men in the, the World Championship final, and the US had, what, two or something? That's kind of weird. Um, but um, I would say that, I mean, the UK <laughs> chance now is, is a nightmare because it used to be like a couple people had the time and then three get selected. So, like, you'd go there and you wouldn't really need to peak that much. This is before, like, I, like I started you know, hating the times and things um, because there would just be two or, or max three people. But now there's going to probably be six people that are going to have the qualifying standard. Um, we, we're not as like, well, there's definitely a fall off after like six or seven of us in the 1500 where the, where the U.S. is like kind of tight around like the 38, 39 mark. We're like, we go from like uh, 330 to 335 and then we drop to like 340 pretty easily. But mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult because you know, this year's British Championships, I was really fit. I was going in and, you know, you've got Charlie Grice that's around 330. You've got Chris O'Hare that's around 332. Whiteman that's around 333. Um, Neil Gurley that's around 335. And I was like, okay. And then I took off with 600 to go. And, and I was like, okay, perfect. Like home straight, I was still winning. And I was like, all right, all out down the home stretch. I've got Jake Whiteman that's around 144 and 333. And then I've got Charlie Grice that's around 145 and 330 on my right. And on my like on my inside would be a guy that just ran 401 in the in the mile at the London Diamond League a month ago, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start veering out to the right to make him run further, and then in comes Neil Gurley, like the the kind of underdog in the situation, and and comes and takes the win. So it's really difficult. Like you know, all of us ran really well at Worlds, and and uh, it you know puts on the start line and it makes a fantastic race. But I mean. When Chris O'Hare's fit, he's one of the hardest people to race, I would say, because he just, he's such a tac tactician and he showed that in his NCAA performances. And then, you know, he's a two-time world world finalist as well. So, and he's won multiple British championships. So I would probably say him overall out of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Who would win a four by mile US versus Britain? We have this. We actually have by, that I question. Think, I think a four by, four by 1500 or four by a mile with like the Aussies, the, the Scots, the Americans, the Kenyans and the Norwegians would be a phenomenal race. Um, but I mean, if you've got, I mean, 332, 331, 332, 335 from the U uh, from Scotland is, is going to beat the U S every day. I think Kenya probably would have something to say about that. I know you mentioned them, oh, versus, but, versus uh, the U S not, not, not Kenya. We'll oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, as Centro is not like a super great time trialer, so, but you put him on a, I mean, it's not probably going to be a time trial situation. Uh, who would, I mean, for, for the U.S., who would we even have on that? Um, Centro, Ingles, Blank Chip, uh, and, and then I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on my I'm on my own here. I don't know. I I'm just. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna leave you on your own. I'm as well, trying to figure I'm... out a way for the red, white, and blue to win this. Yeah. What was that? This is no way. 
yeah how about this the <laughs> the team will win that has red white and blue on their or on their flag which is uh u.s mm -hmm. great britain and then also um norway so a team with those three colors on their flags mm -hmm. most likely yeah to win. limit of two brothers to to one team so that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be a struggle for yeah. norway yeah, because we were talking about that. Like, they could put the three brothers on, but they'd have a hard time finding a fourth that would be able to kind of close that gap against the rest of the field. Their dad or something, I'm sure. Yeah, they there. go from they go from sure. three sub three thirty five guys to a four flat fifteen hundred meter guy. So yeah, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be a struggle. They um, do have a so. little sister just turned fourteen, so maybe she yeah. she'd probably take Josh then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, David. All right, that's enough for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even on the U.S. team, so I, I don't really know why I'm going to talk smack into this one. But I have a question for for you guys. Uh, this is more of a question. Just what? So you got obviously you guys have a different perspective on uh, the sport than we do because we're on one side fat. of the camera and you guys are on the yeah fat and we're on one side of the camera. And, <laughs> is there anything? What 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 are we missing? Like what what is like the 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 elephant in the room that runners are all talking about, but no one is talking about from the outside? Like what, like, like if if everyone knew what this thing about our sport, everyone would shut up and actually understand it. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to ask? Yeah, I'm, understand I'm or grow it. Like understand it or grow the audience for it. Understand it. Like what what are we missing? Okay. Because I feel like I, I think I know what workouts are and I think I know what you guys do, but I really don't because, like I said, I'm fat or what Lincoln said I was fat. So, and I was no, a me too. I, I put myself in that. I put myself okay. in that. Yeah. I mean, we did some Tifers research. So. Yeah, we did, we did a Tifers research on you guys. Um, oh, yeah, oh Josh, God, don't. No, oh, we no, did. no, no. We did. <laughs> yeah. My Tifers. That's I, tough, guys. Hopefully, it's updated. I'm not sure what it has on my 400. Yeah. I think I ran 50 o. Does it have a 50 o on there? I think I ran a 50 o in the 400. I ran something like. I think Tifers like... is only a 6k cross country, and you ran 32 minutes. That's what I've got on there. Tactical. Yeah, was that was tactical. Tactical, <laughs> and I was a. I mean, I was a 400. What place was I? Was I in the top? 30 second. What, it was like yeah, a, 30 second, a mixed right? cross country race or something. Yeah, it's all American according to the top forty, right? That's all that matters. You know, I was a four hundred meter runner in college, so you shouldn't be judging four hundred meter runners with their cross country performances. That's all I gotta That's say. Fair. That's all That's I gotta incredible. Say. Yeah, mine just says slow on the top, and it's actually <laughs> it's NSFW. It's not safe. Tifers will send you a virus if you uh, try to get on my page. So better not. Uh, Tifers yeah, was yeah, I got a spam block a, up around. <laughs> T first started in 2010, so it doesn't have all my marks because that's a good know, age I, date. I was in college yeah. in 2010. You're 06 to 11, right? Yeah, 06 to 2010. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was in a fifth year. I I graduated in four. I was I was. They they didn't need me for a red shirt senior year. I was good. <laughs> like, hey, we know you got this uh, season of eligibility, but it looks like yeah, it looks like your degrees finished, so you you can just finish your degree and go. I didn't, uh, my I didn't freshman year of college, I didn't run cross country or track. And I, so I only ran three, three years. And I remember, um, my coach asked me if I was going to grad school and going to come back for another year of eligibility and I legitimately thought he was kidding. Like, I, I was like, are you serious? Like you want me back on the team? I, I don't really know what I would add to the, but that's basically where we can leave that. We'll just, that's, that's D2 you know, for you. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> See, cl classic D one guy lumping D two and D three together. Not saying it's an insult, but 
he just assumes everybody that's not D one's D two or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, um, but to answer your question, Gordon, it was that like the elephant in the room um, for like professional track and field athletes. Yeah, like what don't we know that you guys are dealing with? Like, are we asking stupid questions every time? Like when we say how was the race, is that like the worst question to ask? Or like when did it? You know, there's some reporters out there who love to say when did it get hard. That's like their their cliche question. When did it get hard? Uh, see, that's yeah, sorry, you want me to. That question fits multiple things, Gordon. <laughs> well, our, our good colleague from Let's Run loves to say when did it get hard. So, uh, but uh, like I get yeah. What 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 questions should we be asking post race after you just run you know a three. 38 1500 you're tired and like literally less than two minutes after running that race we put a camera in your face that just zooms in you know shoulder length up what's and we ask you a question how did the race go are you are you thinking like god damn it just let me drink some water like what are you thinking when media asks i think i think a great content would be if you finished like if we finished like a big race and the first question you asked was just like how much money did you just make i think that's Mm -hmm. great content for people to know about you know, okay. you know, we're not a skill based sport. We have no skills. Track and field is all about how much pain you can put on your body. Like we don't have any like technical skills, you know, everyone, no, no one's looking for like loads of technique and things. So just fun insights into our sport like that, I'm sure would be, you got six at the world championship. So how much money did yeah. you make when you did that? Not Here we enough. go. Not enough. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> you want to hear how much money I got from the world IWF, uh, it's federation for coming six in the world yes six thousand dollars six thousand okay. how much did, how much did you have to pay of taxes on it <laughs> way too much so the government so it's way like i mean wait, 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 how does that work do you have to pay like doha taxes and then uk taxes and then u.s taxes how does that work i still haven't got the money yet so i don't know what <laughs> yeah i was gonna do say to, like apply for it <laughs> Okay, well, let me just hijack this. How long does it normally take to get prize money from any one race? Depends what race you go to, um, but I'm, I'm sure I probably some. It depends on agents as well, because sometimes agents don't pay out straight away as well. Um, but it's it's normally within a couple of weeks, I think. Normally, mm-hmm. yeah. So are you like, like checking wait. your bank every every morning after you do well at a race? Like, is that gonna is that gonna come in? So you're, you're like, if it comes looking? from the race, it takes a little bit of time. If it comes from like Brooks, then they they pay on our whenever we get that's, paid, which is quarterly. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and like USA Indoors was in February, and I just got an email invoice request with like an access code, like two weeks ago. So I should be getting like the prize money from USA's then like a couple oh, weeks God. hopefully. But that's like, been three months. Yeah. So and that's oh, my honestly. God that's the route that's typically made um and if it goes through an agent depending on who they are it could even take longer because then they'll have to file an invoice and then you get paid like um in instances too because we're 1099 employees so we're contracted right right so technically corporations can't pay us directly they have to pay our agents who then pay us so Mm. the way to avoid that is to set up like an llc which josh and i both have to where we can actually put in our ein like tax identification numbers to then Mm -hmm. get paid um, directly from our corporation or from a race and then we pay out our agents as like a, a service and that's like i would also say something that is never talked about um and as a collegiate athlete like i learned all of this stuff through teammates and through trial and error of other people of like yo i haven't gotten paid for this many months i set up an llc it's been way better so it's just like 
what Josh said, like that question of like how much money you make, like there's so many questions that everybody knows the answer to um, that just doesn't get asked. And I think that's like a, a really good one. Another one is just like different angled questions of like channeling people's personality. Like one of the funniest things about USA track and field um, in Des Moines this year was when Craig got thrown a Bud Light at the end of his 1500 meter race, right? Like that just had so much personality in that single image and that content. Like everyone on the starting line is, is human and track is such like an intimate sport that I feel like there's not a lot of gaps made between fans, media and athletes themselves. So bridging that and kind of like highlighting the personalities of like the athletes, I think is, is a really cool take on, um, media sources and that's like a mission statement of josh and i like we want to bring personalities out like we talked about the post ncaa cross-country championship party at wisconsin um in 2019 or 2018 when morgan won like those kind of things like we all know there was a party but no one ever talks about it mm. we've heard through please. the grapevine some mm -hmm. some uh were you at the were, were either of you at the party I was in Wisconsin, but I felt like it would have been weird if I showed up because I knew absolutely nobody. And then we also flew out that day, so no, I was not there. That's such a boring. That's a, such a boring approach to parties, isn't it? Oh, I don't know anyone, so I'm not gonna go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's my way to avoid it. <laughs> Dave, what we did that, Gordon, we did the track shacks thing with Wisconsin this past fall, and it was at the house where they had it, and so Ollie Hoare was seemingly talking that it was a good. I mean, it can only be so good of a time with distance runners i guess um and i mean i i guess supposedly you i mean I, you could have four beers and everyone's just i mean or i meant non-alcoholic beers sorry uh yeah for you could and everyone's just uh in a in a different headspace i'm talking myself out of this one i'm gonna go ahead and stop where i'm at um let's see where what well, you, I, I was gonna say you brought up the the bud light to craig ingles the irony of that and maybe some of the problems with that Craig, Craig got in trouble for that for, and the person who gave it to him got in trouble. People didn't like that. Do you think, hmm. does track have a, a, a problem with, I don't think Nike loved the fact that he was seen drinking a beer after the biggest moment of his career, but, um, I, I'm sure it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, later, because I mean, ultimately he didn't, it was because of the beer. Yeah, like if it wasn't a Bud uh, Light. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to no, see LeBron James cracking a Budweiser right after winning the NBA Finals, probably. It's just not... Yeah, you are. A, I, you yeah, they, they, they're they do hitting champagne, the champagne, man. showers. Well, but on the, court, on the court, yeah, I guess, okay. Yeah. But there's not like a locker room for track that like there would be in, in like basketball, football. You know what I'm saying? You get interviewed yeah. in track I mean, in the mix zone and then you leave and then you don't, the media doesn't get access to like the party afterwards. To kind of extend even on the conversation of um like the personalities in track like maybe that's why track and field's not as big as it is like maybe it's just a boring sport the fact that someone can't have a bud light or smoke a cigar like you see joe burrow after the ncaa championship mm -hmm. football smoking a cigar walking down the locker room right like he kind of looked ridiculous it's controversial sure no lebron nba titles with champagne like why can't track and field athletes do that like maybe that's why track and field is boring because mm -hmm. you the athletes get on the line they do their race they do their their post-race interviews and then they go to sleep like not saying we should smoke cigars and party but maybe there should be a little bit more championship celebration scene <laughs> for athletes to have it be like exciting or fun mm -hmm. you know our social media editor is gonna take this clip and like david rubich's quote <laughs> wants more cigars <laughs> and 
alcohol in track and field, mm-hmm. which is the worst thing about it because I'm probably the most um, basic runner guy to where like I don't drink no, often, no, no. I don't smoke, I've never smoked weed. Like I'm like this this <laughs> straight line kind of guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, listen to I the mean, clips. Sound podcast be- sound Dave everything. getting down to his boxers in a club in Vegas <laughs> and getting kicked out. So don't don't pretend you're a vanilla guy, Dave. <laughs> vanilla that's the word i was thinking about straight line guy. he's a straight guy mm-hmm. is there like a guy on the circuit that's the best like that throws the best parties that you guys know of is there like is there a is there a legendary guy who stays out the night before a race and can show up and be fine i'm thinking like the last dance where they were talking michael and and rodman could like be up all night and then still perform are there those types of guys in in track and field Oh yeah. Um, I, I have an example of that actually. So I was, I think this is 2018 Falmouth. Uh, yeah, I think it was Falmouth and there was like a, the mile race there on the track. Um, so we get, I don't know what it's called in the U S but billeted it's called in the UK where you get hosted by like, that's family. not, that's not what it's called. <laughs> okay. That's fine. You get hosted by a family. Um, and there, so I was with Engels and Christian Serratos and oh, the yikes. night before yeah. we're just, yeah. we're just hanging out, you know, you know, 12 hours out from this race, whatever it is. And it was getting quite late and me and Engels were just drinking some water. And uh, I think Christian Stratus plays like Fortnite, like streams it or something. I don't know. He was watching it a lot, but so we were down in the, this guy's basement, but like he was playing, we were just sitting chilling and he was just cracking beers. Like he was three or four beers deep. And I was like, this seems weird. Like I've never, I've just come out of college. I've never really experienced this side of things. And I was just like, I was kind of egging him on as much as possible to just continue to drink because I was like, if he gets drunk, I could be in school. So <laughs> egging him on, egging him on. And he's had like five beers at this point. I'm like, this is perfect. And he goes, you know, I'm going to win this next game. And like, I was like, okay, if you don't win this next game, you shotgun, you shotgun a beer. I'm just egging him on as much as possible. And he's like, fine. And uh, he like nearly dies right at the end. And then he ends up winning. And I, I don't know if he shotgunned it anyway, or he continued to drink, but he was up till the early hours playing this game. Next day we race and, hundred ago he swings by me and he passes me and he gets like oh, second wow. in the race and wins it and i'm just like what am i just too like uptight like should i just relax more like yeah. this sucks and i was like he was out having the best time last night and then he beats me in this race and then i'm just you know going to bed at a reasonable hour drinking water staying hydrated and i get beat by him i was like this sucks so i would say he's mm. a famous drink before races mm. good to know that's pretty cool okay so <laughs> Do you got? I, I don't know. I, I, I want you guys to answer this question, but I don't know if you will because it's public. You got to pose the question it. first before it can be answered. But go ahead. Are, are there any like athletes that you race that you just hate that you just like I that you wake up every day and like I as long as I don't lose to this person, life is good. I mean, we'll answer that if because one of our questions for you is any athletes that you guys hate interviewing or like the worst interviewer. So if we oh, there's this, so many then, athletes we hate. Yeah, there's a ton. Yeah, I don't. Just, yeah, we have tough. we have we have cool. a lot of. <laughs> threads of people we don't like but i'm not sure if we can make it public because then we can never work with them or film a workout that's the hard thing about being <laughs> us is that we have to be nice to everyone and if we're mean mm-hmm. then like they don't like us and here's the mm, thing there's tough. people who don't like it when we rank them too low in rankings and it's like hey man mm-hmm. we can't make everyone rank number one like there's got to be someone ranked second or third josh have you ever got mad when we said that you weren't going to win a race in college yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred um, percent. You ranked me second outdoors um, after I w- beat Chairs indoors behind Angles. 
as like the first week i remember this like it was yesterday i was like these guys have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> and i was like no this ain't happening and then after azusa when i beat him i was just like refreshing the fucking thing and i was like no, <laughs> i was and i was like okay i respect them now they know and what it said about. hello we'd like to bill your credit card for 29.99 <laughs> 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 to, to view this page, please refresh. subscribe now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Did you end up winning that year? When you were second? Did you end up winning outdoors? Yeah. You, you beat Craig. Okay, so there you go. All right. So sorry for getting that one wrong. I apologize. It's okay. We all How about when you won started. when you won indoors against Cheserek and you were ranked like ninety first or whatever? What about that? <laughs> I, I respect that ranking though, if I'm yeah. being honest, because uh, I definitely, definitely was. I, I was the best racer, but I was definitely. I mean, I'd run like 358, and Chez run 352. So, it's just the way things go sometimes. That's our sport, though. Mm -hmm. David, when 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 you're watching like NCA D ones from the D two, I mean, it's the same weekend, but you you probably still follow it. Do you oh, like do virtual like oh, oh, where you put it. placed in your head? Do you do like for um, like, uh, these kids celebrating? I would have smoked their ass, or like, oh, I would have yeah, been. Yeah, I mean, or I would have been eighth or whatever. Yeah, there, there's definitely times where like that those comparisons are made, and like specifically like the examples I know um, was it was like 2018 or 2017. Yeah, 2017. I specifically know, but I don't remember the year. 2017. Um, so Craig Nowak made the NCAA final, and he was in the portland track festival um heat with me where we ran like 339 and qualified for usas and i was like okay craig made the ncaa division one final if i beat craig i'm 100 confident that i can make an ncaa division one final and then i beat craig and then from that on i was just like i'm an ncaa finalist like i i beat him and i'm all about the transitive property like ask josh like most races i i'm like like that, that's kind of how i see it and so going into like azusa um after Azusa Pacific, where Josh set the record, I don't know how many times we have to say Josh set the record. That's honestly needs to get blipped out of this from the the editors. Yeah. But we should call that where, where, uh, the podcast. That, Josh set the record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And and David was a bud in that race. So, um, but with that, like, I think I had like the fifth or sixth fastest time in NCAAs after that race. And so, like, at that moment, I was like, I'm surely one of the top. I'm an All American essentially. Um, out at, at the Division One level and. At Division Two, we talk a lot about who can make a final and things like that. And we think that if you have, um, or if you win a Division Two title, you have the opportunity to become an All American at the NCAA level, depending on place and race. So that's kind of the way that we look at it, um, because there's so many different styles of races. But yeah, I would say Division Two, II, Division Three, anyone that's like kind of looking at NCAA Division One, it is more of like a stat and comparison game, which is, I think, unfortunate at, at some level because I know everyone at those divisions are trying to close that gap and just race Division One. Uh, but, I mean, we always get sucked into seeing what we would be and, and where we would be in those races. I might, You guys might lose my signal in like five, ten minutes, just so you know, because I'm at 13% on my computer. In this yeah, we'll try to keep this. Well, for each of so you, you, I want to know, know who's... If you lose me, just keep going. That's all I'm saying. If you lose me, keep going. Okay. I mean, this will go on without you. For each of you, which one, who's the, the one person you've beat in your career that you're the most proud of beating them in a race? Uh, I'm, I think, 3-0 and against Centro. He, does, he probably doesn't know that, but I had the worst. 
Um, wow, three and zero. I, I mean, 2017 Worlds, he was last. I was 11th or something. <laughs> you know, well, you beat him in the dinner. final in Doha. I mean, that's that's a legit head to head. I think I beat him in a uh, like a semifinal at Doha, and then I beat him in the final at Doha. So, wow. You also beat him in the 800 at uh, Brian Clay. Four and zero. Or four and zero. Wow. Wow. Or that was the that, Sunset Series race. That's decent. Stat guy. Um, Who is the guy you haven't beaten that you want to beat? Ollie Hoare. Really? The wounds still sting. Oh, yeah. We did a podcast with him. You know how tough that was? He's such a nice guy. <laughs> Josh was sweating. I had, to, I had to lead most of that because Josh was panicking uh, and, and just read. He had to, not <laughs> even used the video. He's a great guy, but like I think that, that rivalry was fun. Mm-hmm. Mm, I want to beat Josh, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I, I just want to put Josh in his place a little bit, whether that's over a 15 or 5K. He'll he'll think of an, an excuse out of it, but just to kind of bring like an equal uh, level playing field between us so it's not like he looks at me as like a training partner, but he looks at me as like a, a competitor. So... Mm. I think we'll be waiting a while for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave. Yeah. Um, do you foresee, I don't know, the behind the scenes of how tracks governing bodies work or anything, and obviously you guys have never been tested for a virus before a race, but other sports are talking about, oh, we're going to be testing athletes. That doesn't seem like something that would happen. Even if it was to go ahead of schedule, would you feel comfortable... I know we're asking you to look ahead several months, but would you even feel comfortable like traveling or what, I mean, would it, would that be something that you just have to make up your mind later down the road? I think, you know, as a sport, we should definitely be putting all of our focus into different types of testing rather than coronavirus testing. But <laughs> how great would it be if the IWF does this whole like, all right, guys, we're going to COVID test everyone and all these athletes are like, all right, great. They come and they do these fake COVID tests. They're not really COVID tests. They're actually doping tests. And then like everyone gets popped because they thought they were getting tested for COVID, but really they were sneakily testing them for EPA. The moment we yeah, found yeah. out Gordon doesn't know how to how a drug test works was right then. <laughs> I know how it works. I know there's a difference between a swab and piss and blood and piss. I get it. But for the premise of the joke, it would be hilarious if someone yeah. thought, how great of a headline is like, Man tests positive for, you know, EPO thought it was COVID. I don't know. That'd be funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. The unfortunate thing about that is he'd only have to sit out for two years. So then, like, is he really that bummed that he got popped for EPO instead of COVID? No, because it's kind of this, you know, two years and he's back in the game. So, yeah. What are you saying? Do they get stopped? Like, it's because there's no competition. Is, is the two-year ban right now pretty solid for people? Like, because you're not missing anything this year. Does this does this year count? For your Hopefully, band? it stops. Have either of you been drug tested or done any virtual type of? I don't know some of the stuff we've heard during this this period. So I'm on the whereabouts testing. Um, I have not been tested since COVID started, uh, so I haven't done any virtual testing or anything like that. British Athletics keeps me up to date with all the new things that are going on. Um, so I don't really, I don't really know too much about how that would work, but I mean, mm -hmm. tested quite, quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, yeah, I haven't been tested during the COVID, but I also got dropped from the testing pool 
So um, that was kind of like a slap to my face. I'm like, what, am I not good enough to be suspected even anymore? Like, can I at least mm. like at least be in the pool so people can knock on my door so I can do the cool Instagram story of like clean sport. This guy's hanging out with me at six in the morning. But um, no, yeah, also not tested. And, and I think that's a big question right now too, is it's just like now a, a big block for six to eight months for athletes to be kind of under the radar. And mm-hmm. if these, if these like um, organizations like WADA and USADA aren't testing regular, then is this just like, like an open range for people to experiment and, and do things that they might not have felt like they could do before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the worry in our sport. Um, and that's a constant worry. Anyhow, I mean, the statistics of people doping is, is unreal. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, David, that's weird. I've been tested twice, uh, for this, you know, anti-blogging <laughs> drugs are, I'm just kidding. Um, well, one thing I wanted to say to Josh, he referred to the sport with the round ball and the goals as soccer. That was the biggest upset of this entire podcast. How long have you been ta- calling it soccer? You know, I came to this country in 2015 and I told myself I would never do it. And, you know, I, I feel like I respect for you guys' podcast. I would, you know, work <laughs> in your guys' lingo as much as possible. It, it did kill me a little bit inside, um, I will mm-hmm. say. But, you know, you just got to you gotta adapt to, to the situation you're in. And, and that's and that's apparently yeah. soccer. But, yeah, f- football would have would have been a lot more comfortable for me to say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these are the kind of sacrifices I take for the Flow Track podcast. I appreciate it. I, I've got uh, breaking news. Gordon, uh, you're noticing he's not moving. His computer did in yeah, fact die. Um, <laughs> nice. I mean, it's nice. He can we have so much like go- he's still there. But yeah, we have a lot of Gordon content that you'll be able to answer now. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm rare. I, if you really have questions, I should have answers. <laughs> well, I mean, like Josh <laughs> and I definitely do have like a portion of our our podcast, and we call it the Banter Bowl. And so this mm-hmm. is typically a time where we go into our guests a little bit and. Um, pick their brain, put them on the spot, make sure. them sweat a little bit. Um, but for you, Lincoln, yeah. you're a Cubs fan, correct? That's correct. Yes. So you did you make a Twitter just to retweet the Cubs winning their World Series in 2016? Because your first tweets are all Cubs things. You went all the way back. Did is that true? Yes, yeah, go um, all the way back to your first tweets. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, I, I first started Twitter in college. This Twitter was still relatively, you know, it was. I, I don't know how to put. It, it was kind of the tick well no tiktok's pretty popular now i don't know it was like uh it was twitter when I, in college for me it was like it was a joke people didn't actually do it and and you didn't know what you were doing but anyways for the most part to my 300 followers in 2016 i did retweet a lot of cubs content which you question when you're retweeting that stuff that no one cares about it's like why am i doing this i mean i'm kind of of the mm-hmm. opinion twitter shouldn't really exist um but yeah, I do find myself getting quite excited about my sports teams and <laughs> needlessly retweeting it. So, <laughs> so when it comes to when it comes to flow track, like when you guys mm-hmm. do your commentary and and things like that, do you guys pull straws for like who commentates for like D two D three like cross country or like the ten k? Oh or no, like that that that's me. I do D two and D three stuff during cross country season simply because I did ran D two, and so I have a D deep bank of knowledge of i mean division two i mean david could probably attest to this I and mean, he may he obviously would know more because he was a ten thousand times better runner but d2 doesn't really change too much it's kind of like oh you got the colorado schools and then you'll have a few good guys from random pockets across the country you know obviously david in oregon but it doesn't really change that much and it's kind of the same for d3 so as a fellow division um not 
run not division one runner um have you mm -hmm. then um bought my book i have not bought your book mm -hmm. sorry you're gonna catch me on the spot okay. uh not having done that i'm sorry but i tell you what if i know you're on we're on an email chain just about this podcast if you send me your <laughs> is it on amazon yeah, it's on Amazon. Fifteen okay. ninety nine. Just send me a link, dreams. or or in fact, I could probably just find it myself. I will I will purchase it, and uh, and read your book. Small school, big dreams. Is that what it's called? Big small school, school no. big dreams. There you go. Big school. Small Josh dreams. Have, has has Josh read your book? No. Josh wasn't no, mentioned no. in the book. That's what ticked him off the most. I didn't mention him <laughs> once when he set the NCAA record. Like on that day, Josh has zero. He's like. Oh, let's go back and read the day we both set our NCA records. Mm -hmm. He opens it, not a single mention of him, and he was furious. So he will not be reading that anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So you ran in that race. You ran three thirty-seven. What or is that what it was? Three thirty-seven. Uh, Forty-two. Yeah, three thirty-seven and forty-two. I'm sure Flowtrack can take out this part of the podcast where you tell us who the worst person to interview is. We could just put that on the ours. worst. The worst person. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. There's always people who are challenged, you know. Oh yeah, challenge, most track, challenging. Tr yeah, yeah. Track journalism yeah, is obviously different than 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 professional baseball or basketball journalism. You know, we're not the usually the barrier to entry to be in my position is much lower than it say would be to work at ESPN. Uh, in track, kind of our under understanding of the stakes that it's not, you know, not everyone's a multimillionaire, and you don't need to act like that. What I will say, though, is a guy who I, who I always enjoy interviewing because it's always a challenge is Fred Curley. Fred Curley, famously U.S. foreign meter runner, uh, not a huge fan of the media, but I think I know what he, what he's going to bring into an interview every time that I do enjoy it maybe where I didn't at the beginning. I'll give you an example. USA's in the 400 this past summer. He beat Mike, Michael Norman. I called it an upset. He did not. He was not a fan of me calling his defeat an upset, and so it, you know, and it went. And so there, there are always guys or or women, maybe more so men, obviously, who, who are listening to hear for perceived slights, and they, you know, would. Uh, they they're just people who are just more ready to pick a little bit of a fight, basically. Mm -hmm. And and so I, there's I would say there's no one that I strongly dislike interviewing, but if if there's like somebody where I know like I'm gonna have to be attentive, it's Fred Curley because he's not like cool. his favorite thing ever isn't to be interviewed by Flow Track. If I if I yeah if I should say that yeah yeah Fair. we um we we kind of we had Drew Hunter on on our podcast and it was one of the more more successful podcasts that we had because his following is amazing and I posed this question to him. And I said, look, if, if we did a 3K and we had 4v4, there was eight people in the race and it was Beast versus Tin Man Elite. And it would be mm -hmm. me, David, uh, Henry and Isaac in the 3K for the Beast. And Tin Man was like Drew, um, who else was in Sam Parsons and Morgan, who else? I think um, the Gooseman. Uh, man, Goose and then I can't remember the, oh, Aaron Templeton. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said that we would win by a significant amount if we scored that like a, a college meet. Would that be something that Flowchat would get behind? And wh well, who, who would you predict? Well, yeah, they'd have to break predict? it down I mean, by PRs. Um, my PR is 835. Drew's, okay. But <laughs> probably converts a little faster with your 5K and obviously your 1500 PR. 
David got fourth at USA's in a pretty decent 3K. I feel like Isaac's run a good 3K too, right? He's run like something pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably, I mean, not just because I'm talking with you guys, I would probably pick, you, you know, I know Drew's, that's a good distance for him, but I think I would probably go with the Brooks Beast there. I mean, you guys also have like multiple guys you could put in that I feel like they're a little thinner on the bench too. If you need to like go to the lefty, you know, go to, I don't know, Garrett, maybe Garrett Heath. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Brandon Kidder ran like an eight, 11 3k time trial in the pouring rain in january like i ran like 820 in that and he just absolutely waxed me not saying we're gonna put brandon kidder on it but um yeah i think the depth on our team is is Mm -hmm. significantly better um but it would be a very exciting race not the least especially if it was scored as a cross-country meet because if first is first place and then you get someone that runs eighth i mean that's nine points just between those two people so um that'd be yeah i think a pretty exciting exciting race i would i would absolutely Um, watch this yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, you'll probably be announcing it, so that that's all good. I would love to. Um, do you think that companies are moving away from signing like athletes and their abilities and looking more for like the ability to influence for the brand, or do you think it's still all about athletics for track and field? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I'm the right person for that. Well, let me turn it around on you. Uh, as you guys who signed as just professional runners, and you mentioned uh, what do you call that? Like contractors. We just saw. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Willis and Mary Kane sign as kind of like full-time employees. Yep. Just because I don't have a good answer to your question, I wanted to know what you guys think of that. And do you think that could become a trend for athletes that want to work and be professional runners and, and be be a full-time employee and not, not a contractor like you guys? So I would say that, you know, I think the reason that we're contractors is so it's easy to kind of, let us go without any rights. <laughs> so we don't have health insurance. We don't have like all, all this stuff you would get as an employee. Um, cause we are like, we have our own businesses. We have our own LLCs to get paid and things. So we are self-employed. Um, so it is interesting. It's like, I think the, the way that they worded it was, um, I think Willis said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not retiring. I'm turning amateur or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's definitely, it could be a stepping stone, especially in this, um, day and age right now where you know companies don't have a lot of money and if people need that extra stepping stone to kind of make their professional you know debut with a with a uh with a team i think it's definitely a stepping stone to be a professional athlete but i'm not sure if it's i don't know i don't really know a lot about tracksmith i think people are definitely mm-hmm. going to start learning a lot more about it because you know her yeah. him and mary Kay are, are pretty big um, athletes, especially across social media and things. So, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see a bit of a trend going there because, you know, unless you're a number, uh, an NCAA champion or top three in the NCAA D1 or D2, you, you're probably not going to be signing any contracts with, with, for it, for a lot of money anytime soon. So we might yeah. see a little trend for that and it could be a different avenue for athletes to go down for sure. Yeah. And I would say as well that I think companies, in the future, maybe even within like the next four years, are going to start leaning towards um, athletes and their influence opposed to athletes and their ability. Not saying that those athletes aren't incredible athletes. Um, I'm mostly just saying that it seems like this younger generation of athlete, especially still in the NCAA system, like the people that come to mind, like, you know, Cooper Tier, Nico Young, um, uh, Cole Sprout, these guys have like 15,000 followers on Instagram, right? Like that in yeah. itself is more than Josh and I combined. And that's just because they're so 
um, in with the rise of all these platforms that they were able to build their own image right away. And so I'm curious to see how that will be influenced into a, a, a company signing them because I know Brooks does sign their athletes based off their assets and based off what they want to be, who they are and all those things. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that companies in general in the future are going to start saying like, okay, what can you bring to our table in terms of our brand promotion and our brand production? If we don't have any social media presence and can't stand in front of a camera with a, with a big Brooks sign on our, on our chest, then, you know, that's kind of a massive part of our job at the end of the day. So we take that responsibility to do that, to keep our sponsors happy. And, and Brooks is pretty easy going and they never like, Hey, you need to post this or, you know, this yeah. is what you need to do for your social media. It's more like kind of go for, go for it yourself. And if we're really mucking up, I'm sure they'd be like, Hey, you can't do that. You need to stay within brand here. But you know, it's, it, it definitely varies between brand and brand, but um, you know, it's, it's something for yourself as well. You know, it, this is the way that our sport's moving. And if you don't have people following you and wanting to know what you're talking about and wanting to know what, you know, workouts you're doing and what shoes you're wearing during it, then you're going to be left behind when it comes to signing new contracts for, for, for a good amount of money. And even though, you know, if I run 330 and Dave runs 235 and he has 100,000 followers and I have 10,000 followers, then, you know, Dave is going to have more influence on people. Really? You th that I mean, obviously more influence on people, but you think, yeah. So you can't just run that. Yeah, I would, I would agree I, with that I, as I, well. If and, through there, you might be in front of cameras uh, more often, yeah, like yeah. on a start line and, and things like that. But it's, it's it, you know, I can't imagine the money's going to be that different between the yeah. two. Got it. Well, guys, uh, I don't know if that's all i have for you i don't know if you have anything else yeah. david i, I gotta read your no, book uh, yeah <laughs> yeah 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 no i think um, i think we're good um on our end we covered the banter bowl that's really like the the highlight of most of our episodes well, so i appreciate the questions to... i uh i don't often get asked questions so it's it feels, yeah. it feels well i do have a four-year-old but um i was explaining <laughs> the difference between darth vader and uh the jedis today so that was a good one those were good questions that you guys didn't hit on but uh Thanks for the time, Gordon. You, you have anything else yeah. to say? Oh, wait, just kidding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, guys, we'll say nothing if we have the rights. Uh, yeah. Meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's got to go now. Well, with Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.